Welcome to the I Give Life to Life podcast with Coach Energy, the single parent's life coach. This is where I will share valuable content on all matters of the heart and various life issues that single dads and single moms face, such as relationships, marriages, divorces, co-parenting, dating, effective communication, time management, life-changing events, work-life balance, and so much more. And I'll even have guests to join me. And this week, I do have a very special guest with me right now, Jason Pickle. If you can, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, thank you for having me. It's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. My name, like she said, is Jason Pickle. I'm a law enforcement officer for about 18 years. I have four kids, and... It's been quite the experience that they range from seven-year-old to 17-year-old. So I got a little taste of all of it when it comes to raising kids, when it comes to the age groups and stuff. But other than that, I'm pretty much just a simple person living life, trying to get by. Awesome. I know that's right. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you do have a podcast. And is the name of your podcast Life in a Pickle? Yes, that's correct. It's Life in a Pickle. It's kind of a play on words with my last name. And it's basically my my life story. All the wrongs, the rights, and everything. All coming together, putting it out there for everybody to listen to and hopefully help people. That's right. That's awesome. And how long have you been doing your podcast? Uh, approximately only about two months. Oh, okay. So fairly new. What... Um, when you got started, did it? Uh, were you nervous about it? Did it? Did it? Uh, were you telling yourself like, let's just say a year ago? Because a lot of podcasters, we like to delay getting started because of the nerves or because of you know just like, oh my gosh, you know, I want everything to be perfect or you know, I'm not quite comfortable with sharing my story. When you when you first thought about podcasting, did you? Was it just two months ago or was it a while back? And then it took you a while to get going. No, I've been thinking about it for quite some time, actually. Um, I had tempted another podcast with a friend of mine where we'd done a, a, basically a debate po- podcast about everyday topics and things going on in the world. But during that podcast is when I realized there was something else I wanted to do. There was more to it that I wanted to use as far as the advantage of having a podcast. And I've always had the urge to share my story. And I'm not saying, and it's not to say that my story is necessarily different than any other anybody else's story but i feel like i got a lot to share and a lot that can help people and podcast just seems like the best way to at least start out doing it and after we separated from the first podcast i took a break and about i'd say about six months ago is when i really started thinking really hard about getting back into the podcast and doing this what i'm doing now sharing my story Awesome. Good stuff. So on today's episode, we are going to talk about co-parenting and my channel. It's all about working with both men and women, you know, because there are a lot of support systems and a lot of resources that are out there that cater to women and and moms and single moms. And I love it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. However, I cannot stand the fact that our dads and our men are being left out or they don't have as many places to turn to as 
many people to turn to, as many uh, resources available to them. So I was so excited when you accepted my request and the invitation to come on with you being a man and with you being a uh, going through the process of being a single father at some point throughout your uh, your experience. So today we are talking about co-parenting. And what I want you to do is just give us your spiel, you know, go back as far as you want to go back and let us know about your experience as a co-parent. You know, was it, uh, were you married at one point with your, your, um, your children's mother or were you all just dating? Did you ever live together? You know, just kind of give us a little bit of those details that you feel would be important for us to know especially the men that are listening. Yes. I, I, my first relationship with my first wife started approximately about 13 years ago, 14 years ago. And I, I apologize. It started about 18 years ago. And we started dating. It started out as just a simple dating relationship that turned into a little more. My first child was born and we were we got married shortly before she was born and we ended up having two kids together we stayed married for approximately about six or seven years and it started getting real rocky the relationship between me and her did and different things started playing factors uh, her lifestyle her choice of lifestyle i guess you could say and my choice of lifestyle and what i saw for our future they didn't match they didn't meet in the middle if you will and we started going separate ways and to the point that eventually we separ- we separated. When we first separated, I, le- I left. I left the house and I separated myself from her. And in doing so, it, for a short time, separ- separated myself between separated myself from my children as well for about a month or two. But my life changed completely two months after our separation because she continued to go down the lifestyle she had chose, which was partying, drugs, you name it, to the point that her mom actually called me one day and her exact words were, I need to come get the children. And so I, t- I drove back to the house to find my soon-to-be ex-wife in bad shape. I got the children that day put on my vehicle, drove off, immediately sought temporary custody, emergency temporary custody. And pretty much from that point on, I tried probably for, I would say a good year, year and a half to do the co-parenting with her. But her lifestyle made it real hard to do so because her choices were still continuing the party life, the drug life. She was addicted to specific drugs and when she was in and out of jail i think in the first the first year she was arrested 12 times for drug charges and it was just something that even with all that though and even with all that going on i was still trying to make co-parenting work because i was one of those that i grew up in a single home and i knew what it was like not to have both parents specifically not to have my dad around and I didn't want that for our kids. So I tried my hardest to make it work. She was, it was supervised visits. She had to be with her mom, or her grandparents when I brought the children over. And it was the every other weekend I would take them over there. 
and it was going i thought was going good for a little while till one day my our oldest child let me know that the what was actually going on was when i dropped the kids off on a friday at her mom's house their mom would wait until i left and she'd and she'd take off again and she would and then she would show back up on sunday shortly before i arrived to pick up the girls to take them back to make it look like she'd been there all weekend Oh, wow. And and I and from that from that moment on, I kind of started thinking differently because at some point you have to you have to start thinking what's best for the kids and what's best for the girls and what's hurting the girls more than doing them good. And I spoke to her mom, addressed the issue, and thought it was going to get better, but it got worse. It got to the point where eventually I was just taking the girls over there to see the grandmother. Because we all knew the mama wasn't going to be around. The mama wasn't going to hang around long. And it wasn't until the last time she got arrested, she was sent away for quite a while. And I had had a conversation with her mom and asked her mom to respect my wishes when it comes to how to handle the situation. Because personally, and some may say it's wrong, some may say it's right, when she was in there, Yes, they have this, you know, the visitation where family can come see them and all that. But I felt she didn't care enough for those kids and she didn't respect enough. She didn't respect the girls enough to make time for them while she was on the outside. Why should I make them or force them go visit her on the inside? Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with her mom and told her mom that, you know, I would still allow them to come see them, the grandparents. As long as they respect my wish to not take them to the jail to see their biological mom on Sundays. Well, come to find out, didn't take long. They were doing that anyways. Mm. So it basically got to the point where I just, I had, I'd had enough of it. And I made the decision that it wasn't fair to the girls. It wasn't fair to put, keep putting them through. They'd already been through enough with everything going on. So I basically made a decision just to cut ties with that whole side. And it's pro, it's been approximately, as we sit here today, it's been approximately almost 10 years since they've had any kind of contact. Wow. And the, gir- and the girls are old enough now to where, and, we've, and I'm currently married again, and we have two boys. But the girls are well aware of the situation. And we've gave them, you know, they're 17 and 15 years old. So I feel like they're old enough. If they want that decision to try to reconnect, I don't want to stand in the way of it. But at the same time, they they don't seem to have no desire. And there's such a distance between them to the fact that just about a month ago, we were at a Walmart and the great-grandmother of my ex-wife was in the same aisle as the girls were and didn't even recognize them. Wow. And they, they, they didn't even know that who they were, didn't talk to them, just walked right by them. So, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm one of those different, I got lucky because I'm not, I don't want to sound like, you know, it's, I'm picking on the women, but it's, a, to me, it's a known fact, and especially being law enforcement, it's very rare without sp- special circumstances to see the dad 
get full custody of their kids. Mm-hmm. And I, I get, I, I guess I'll say I, I was blessed to be able to do that because of circumstances. Because it scares me to think where my girls would be at or how they would be right now if they were left and what that mess I found them in or where I took them from. Right. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. And you uh, made a very good point, something that I do want to hit on. Uh, you said it's very rare as a man to get full custody. For those men who are in your same situation or something similar to your situation of where they feel the the need to seek custody of their child or children, what advice or maybe not advice because I don't know what the legal parameters are with you actually being in law enforcement, but what information or suggestions or tips would you give to men who are listening about how to go through that process, how to navigate the process of seeking full custody? Well, unfortunately, like we've both briefly spoken about, it, it is very difficult. And it's it's something that, I mean... I will, I'll just come out and say I don't think it's fair as far as the guidelines of what they look at. My best advice, I don't know how it would have transpired if she hadn't made the choices she had made in our situation. But I knew what I wanted as a I knew what I wanted to be as a dad and a father to my children. So the best advice I can give is do your best to be your dad be the dad show that you are capable of being the 100% you know full-time parent that you need to be when you're a single parent and you just be able to show that is is it going to work I can't guarantee that because I've seen some with once again with me being in law enforcement I've seen some some men that are I know for a fact are really great dads and there's nothing they can do with the system because of the way the system is. And like I tell a lot of people when, I, when it comes to working law enforcement, I don't necessarily agree with everything that all the laws and all the rules, I just have to enforce them because that's my job. But uh, <laughs> I don't, and parenting and co-parenting and the way the judicial system works with it, I disagree with completely. And I have a, I have a hard time accepting it because I don't know if there's a right answer to give anybody seeking that other than to just give it your best shot. And all I can do is tell you no. If you feel like you're the one that needs to be the primary parent or the one that has them the most, fight until you can't fight no more for it. That's one thing. I mean, I would say would help is just keep fighting for them. If you, if they, if you think you belong as the primary parent and you think they belong with you full time, don't give up on it. Just keep fighting. Make them tell you no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And that makes sense because that's ultimately all that you can do is just keep trying and keep trying until you run out of options. You know, just don't give up, especially if you really believe in your heart and if you really believe that the kids would be better uh, in your in your hands, better with you being the primary parent, you know, with their safety that's involved and, and their future development, their growth, uh, their emotional well-being, all of that. So absolutely, uh, just keep fighting. And it's so unfortunate 
that the system itself is not more balanced and more equal to just, you know, uh, favoring the parent that is the best fit to be primary. Um, hopefully things at some point will eventually shift over or balance back out. But until then, just like you said, just, you know, keep fighting and uh, just keep doing your part. You know, even if the tables don't turn in your favor, just keep doing your part as being that number one dad in your child's life. And, you know, eventually things will turn around, even if, you know, it's later on in life, um, even if that even if it's just with the child, because like you said also earlier, you know, you have to look at the, what's in the best interest for the child or the children, you know, even if they have to wait until they are teenagers and then they see and realize, you know what, even though, you know, uh, my mom and dad separated, you know, my dad, he still did the best that he could. And they'll see that. They'll see it growing up. They they see everything that's going on. They have this extra little, you know, uh, uh, ears <laughs> that they can hear everything, right. even if, you know, you decide to go into another room and have a conversation, uh, you know, with, with your ex or whatever. And um, they, you know, they definitely understand all the things that are going on, all the different nuances, um, even if we don't think that they are. And so I, I want to also uh, ask this question. I don't know if it was a part of your situation or not, but I do know one of the things that gets in the way of some of the fathers being able to win, quote unquote, win a custody battle is because they're was uh, violence of some sort, you know, even if not necessarily f just physical, uh, but, you know, maybe yelling or raising of the voice to where, you know, the kids uh, got scared or anything like that. I want to know, um, did you ever experience any type of domestic uh, issues or situations with your ex-wife uh, to where, you know, the, the law was called, you know, to your guys' residence at all? Or was that not part of your experience? No, I mean, we never got to the point where the law was called. I mean, we, we had our share of pretty hostile arguments. And, I mean, there was definitely some yelling and some screaming, you know, that took place. But it never, the law was never called. Actually, the only time the law has ever been called between us was the day that we had already separated. The day I went and picked up the girls to take them with me because... The argument it got so heated the neighbor called the law, but we already separated at that point. But while we were together, there was never an incident where the law had to be called for it. But like I said, there was there was definitely some heated moments. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, when when the law was called by the neighbor, um, did did they? Um, how was that experience? Was it was it anything to where you know? they immediately saw who was, you know, the, uh, the accuser, or uh, I don't know what proper terminology to use, but did they come willing to listen to both sides or were they automatically against you because you were the man? Actually, that's the, the ironic part of it is a lot of, and a lot of people have this consumption that law enforcement's for each other and we protect each other. And I'm in law enforcement. And when the law was called that day, I actually got the negative side of the interaction to the point that because I was mad and I mean I I'll be the first I talk about it on that in my podcast during that episode how mad I was and I'm sure everybody and their brother could hear us or they was they had any ears around us outside the house and everything and 
when the the law showed up, the first thing he done, and I don't know how long he had been there, so I don't know what he all he heard. So, and I was doing a lot of talking. <laughs> so, but when he first come in, his first automatic response, I mean, and I knew the guy because we worked, we, I worked for the county, he worked for the city, so we worked together. But he automatically walked in and went directly to her, and his exact words were, I'm having him leave. If you have any more problems out of him, you just let me know. Wow. And that was one of those incidences that really opened my eyes to some things. But, and I mean, I'll, I'll be, like I said, I'll be the one to admit I was probably the aggressor in this situation because I was mad. Because just to break down the scenario, I was called because she had flipped out on her mom and her mom allegedly, or she allegedly had a meth lab in a room upstairs with mm-hmm. my with my kids in the house mm-hmm. so yeah i was mad <laughs> and i let her and i let her know that so he may when he showed up and i mean i'll defend him a little bit i guess but when he showed up he probably did hear me letting her have it mm-hmm. so but at the same time it's a totally different topic but he, i know the guy he just he's one of those guys that thinks different don't think properly when he's out on when he's doing the job if i if i can say that i guess right. but uh yeah he he went directly in defense mode for her and which was fine i was by the time he showed up i was done anyways and he asked me to leave so i left yeah man that's uh that's mm-mm. I don't, you know, that's one of the things that I don't like. You know, I, of course, I wish that, you know, all um, people in in some form of authority or position of authority, you know, would come into a situation, especially where it's heated, especially where there are a lot of emotions that are already, you know, high uh, and and raised emotions. Um, you know, I just wish that they would come into it being neutral and really assessing, taking taking the time to assess the situation before, you know, pointing the finger, <clears throat> excuse me, before pointing the finger at one party over the other party, because, you know, you were there simply to rescue your kids. You were there to simply take your kids out of an environment that they absolutely did not need to be in. And, you know, yet you were, because of when they walked in or when he heard your, uh, when he walked in, he heard you being the, the more verbal person in that moment, you know, it doesn't mean that you weren't there on, you know, in in good faith or that you weren't there to just simply try to keep the peace or try to, you know, correct whatever the situation that was going on, which was ultimately just getting your kids out of there, out of the way. Um, But we hear too many of those stories too often where the wrong person ends up, you know, being pointed at as being the, uh, as being accused. But anyway, thanks for sharing that part of it. Um, I would love to know how, you know, as far as your 15 and your 17 year old daughters now, um, the fact that you said that you have allowed them and have left it open for them to make their decision you know if they decide to spend time you know with their mother or go visit their mother um you know that's that's very commendable because a lot of people would still try to say no you know they would still try to control that aspect of it and they are of age you know at this point to know what's going on and to be able to make that decision for themselves so i definitely do commend you on that and i know that it it was a, a tough decision you know, like you were saying earlier with the their grandparents, you know, hey, I don't mind bringing, you know, the girls to come visit you all. I mean, this is this is the 
way that it's been going anyway the whole time. I don't mind continuing that. However, just me being the parent, please respect my request and my choice and my decision to not take my kids to, you know, a location in that type of environment of a gel. Um, and so I definitely do, you know, commend you for that, you know, for allowing them to, at this stage in life, you know, to make their own decisions. Um, so as of right now, you do have permanent custody of your two girls? Correct. Yes, I have permanent custody. Um, like I said, it's been almost probably 10 years since they've had any contact with her. Now, she has reached out a couple times over the last, I'll say, four or five years, and she will ask how they are but sometimes i've replied sometimes i haven't i mean i'll just be honest I, sometimes i just I, i'm tired of wasting energy on that that topic when it comes to her because i for me another issue i have is her family still lives she don't she don't live around us anymore but her family still does and one thing that our girls do know is she's already started she has another family now and she has went through the court system and adopted two kids to make them her own from wow. her family now. And to me, that's just another slap in the face to the girls. Yeah. Because, because you're ta- she, you take that much time to go through adoption for them, but you're not putting up any kind of fight to be in their lives. And mm-hmm. that was another kind of just icing on the cake, I guess you could say, that made me feel like I made the right decision. But I would like to say that one thing that makes it easier for me to be okay with our girls making their own decision is how my relationship with my dad went when I was their age. Because when my mom and dad split, I was five, and I didn't see him till I was 13. He, he disappeared completely. Mm. But he died being my best friend from that point. Mm. So I know, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, that happens every time, but I know... I know the thoughts I had as a child and I know what I wondered about and I know they probably do too. They don't talk about it much, but it's still, it won't surprise me if they ever reach out because Mm -hmm. it, I mean, it, it, it'll probably do them some good, even if it's just to ask why, because Mm -hmm. I mean, we're open about it. Uh, me and my wife now, we, they know anytime that in the past when they've tried to send stuff, the, the grandparents, the great grandparents or her or whoever, and we, and up to about four years, five years ago, they would send, you know, Christmas cards or birthday cards and we'd hand them to the girls and tell them to do what they want to do with them. Mm-hmm. Now, nine, nine, 99.9% of the time, they ended, they went straight to the trash without even opening them. Mm-hmm. But that's one of those deals too, that if you tell them that, if you tell my ex-wife that and her family that, I get to blame for it. And, mm-hmm. but... And reality is the girls have the option. They're choosing to do that, mm-hmm. but they're never going to see that because they, it's always, I'm keeping them from them. Of course, they have to have someone to blame. You know, usually in that right. type of situation, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow whenever, you know, people, adults, uh, whether it be, you know, the parent or grandparents or aunts or cousins or uncles or whatever, when they find out that, you know what, 
the children actually made the choice to not want to be with you. The children made the choice to not want to spend time with you. The children made the choice to not want to call you. The children have made the choice to, you know, not want to accept the cards that you sent. And that can be a hard pill to swallow for some of the adult family members because, you know, it it, it can seem embarrassing. However, you know, it it hits that that pain point of, you know, they everyone knows, you know, what's really going on. Everyone knows, you know, the, the reality of the situation and everyone knows their part and children, they're going to be the most innocent in the situation. And if a child can make that decision, then it makes adults who are in the wrong have to look hard in the mirror at themselves. And sometimes it's just easier to place the blame on the other parent or the other adult that's, you know, in the, in, in the situation. So I get it. Right. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's, I mean, you hit you hit the nail on the coffin with that one. It's, I mean, I, I knew that, and it's just, it's still aggravating though. I mean, of it's course. it's one of those deals that, you know, just like a lot of things in life, even when you understand it, it still gets aggravating. Mhm, mhm, absolutely. So, uh, curious, just especially since um, there are a lot of men who listen to this podcast. Do you happen to get child support from their mother with her being the female? Because usually it's it's the other way around. You know, the men are the ones who are being hounded for child support, being taken to court for child support and, you know, have this this huge there's this big thing out there about men and child support. But I wonder, do you receive child support from their mother or did you just not even go after it? It was ordered. I didn't go after it. Um, the day that our papers were finalized. She wasn't there. She was in jail, and she and she told them she didn't want to come. So the judge pretty much. I mean, I got to make the paperwork paperwork up how I wanted to. I told the judge that day that I didn't want anything from her, and of course the judge said he has to put something. So technically, in our paperwork, it's ordered she is to pay child support, but I've not I've not had a got a penny from her since mm. I had custody, and that's not an issue. I really pushed last time actually the last heated argument I had with her and it's probably been right I guess it's been right about 10 years ago was over the phone and she was telling me she was going to take me back to court and I told her that's fine and it was, my exact words were that's fine but you've got about six years of back child support you owe me so you better hope you win because <laughs> that's going to cost you a lot of money <laughs> and that was one of those things I mean yeah it was a jab but it was also reality was to show her that she's not been doing anything. So mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, she's going to have a hard battle in court. And that might be one reason she's never tried. I don't know. Um, I do know in our paperwork, she has to pa- pass a hair follicle test. Mm-hmm. And that might be another reason because I don't, I don't know if she ever cleared the air with her past and her decisions from, you know, lifestyle. But as far as child support goes, I mean, it was ordered. I guess if I wanted to push it, I could even harder now. But for me, just the peace and uh, for my kids. And I mean, at this point, why, why, why even push it? Right. Absolutely. And to um, just kind of add to it, I'm in that same boat. So um, with my divorce that I had from my child's father, uh, we've been divorced for over 14 years and um, I haven't received child support either for the last 13 years. And 
I was like, you know, I would rather just not pursue it, not go after it because it that money is not worth the cost of our peace and stress that we don't have to, you know, we don't have to go through any stressful situations. I don't have to hear, you know, his uh, arguing from him. I don't have to hear, you know, nagging from him. I don't have to hear him, you know, trying to down talk me or trying to still semi control me, you know, to any kind of degree, you know, and so. So I was just like, you know what, let let it pile up, let it add up. I don't care because at the end of the day, if my child and myself, we don't have to go through the stressful every two weekend visitations or every, you know, holiday, every other holiday visitations or exchanges and this and that, then, you know, I'll take that and I'll just work, you know, twice as hard, you know, and that's ultimately what I've done. And ever since I got divorced, I've kept two or three jobs uh, just to make sure that, you know, I did not have to rely on child support or or him for anything and i mean i probably couldn't anyway because after um after our first year of being divorced, uh, he disappeared. So he totally abandoned us as well. And it's, you know, been going on, like I said, uh, 13, 14 years now. So I, you know, because to me, money isn't everything, you know, sometimes having the money will, you know, cause you more stress and will take more years off your life than, you know, anything else. So I understand you making that decision completely. Right. Yeah. It's, it's also for me, on my end with our story and how much she was in and out of jail. I back in mind, I knew she would be the she would be okay with not paying and just doing the jail time. Mm. So there, there was really no, and I and there was really no reason. That was just an extra reason why why waste my time because one, I knew if I pushed it, that she would probably try to fight tooth and nail, and I wasn't I wasn't gonna drag drag the kids through another court process or anything like that over some money that I really didn't need. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I knew I, I would, I knew I would never get it anyways. And cause I knew what it would go to, where it would go. And that was something when we first separated, I, when she had the two months that she had the girls, even without it being court ordered, I still took them on myself and I'd give probably 75% or more of my paycheck every time to her. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't court ordered, but I, it was, we had vehicles in our name, a house that she was living in was in our name. And it was one of those deals. Of course, all that got foreclosed on because none of the money went where it was supposed to, but child support just, well, I'll just be honest. I'm not a big fan of child support either way. So <laughs> I, I, I see that I see the pros and cons of it when it comes to it. And I, of course with my job, I see the negative side of it more than I do the positive side. Mm-hmm. Right. And and last question on this particular topic, and then we'll fast forward to um, more of the after effects. But so just in case we have someone listening who has just, you know, not seen any type of movement on their their course of attempting to get custody or with their course of uh, receiving and or or having to pay child support, whatever their situation or position is, do you think that you were favored because of you being in law enforcement? You know, because there may be someone that's listening that says, "Oh well, of course he got custody," or "or of co- of right. course they granted him child support because you know he's in law enforcement himself." So you know they favored him, but you know there would be no way that I would be able to win either of those. Right. And I, I get that. I mean, I know in today's world, I know the reputation law enforcement has with people. And 
but I don't think in my case that was the scenario. That was the reason. I think with my situation, as drastic as it was, because like I said, she was in and out of jail all the time, and she it was all drug charges. Anything she got arrested for was drug charges. So it was pretty much even my attorney. I hired an attorney, and he said I could have done it myself. That was his words because. It was such an open and shut case mm-hmm. when it comes to that. And I don't want to say the sound, I don't want to sound bad by saying this, but I was fortunate in that situation that it was an easy ordeal for me. And law enforcement at play, I don't think any factor. I mean, yeah, I knew the judges. Yeah, I knew, you know, everybody in the courthouse. But I think anybody in my situation with what was going on could have walked in there and walked away like I did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Okay, so, you know, a lot of the times when we are in those relationships that we have gone through, uh, I've been in my fair share, you know, not just with the divorce, but even after that, you know, with multiple relationships of dating people and getting to know people um, that, you know, that I was uh, interacting with, you know, we, and with clients that I work with, you know, as being a life coach, with clients that I work with, a lot of the times, we we saw signs we saw the red flags we saw what we saw certain things when we first met someone or in those early stages of dating someone and to where after the fact of course hindsight being 2020 after the fact we're like man i i knew i shouldn't or you know i shouldn't have dated that person or i knew i should have left a long time ago or left earlier because i saw this in them or i saw that in them when you first met your ex-wife were there any signs or red flags that you saw prior to you all getting serious that you see now hindsight being 2020 and had you listened to your intuition or listened to that that extra voice, that inner voice, and maybe you would not have, you know, gotten into an actual relationship with her. Were there any signs? Most definitely. Uh, they, there was a lot of red flags, especially looking back when I first met her and how we met and why we met in the first place was, I mean, we we were connected through a friend of mine because and I was a senior in high school and it was one of those deals where I didn't have a prom date kind of thing and they wanted me to have a prom date so they heard about her and they connected us and just from the just from the start the first time I met her to knowing who she ran with the the crowd she ran I'm not trying to stereotype anybody but I knew the people she was running with it was a I mean it was a red flag from the start that I I didn't expect it to go as long as it did, and I didn't especially go as far as it did when it comes to our relationship because just everything I saw around her and that had to do with her when we first met. I mean, looking back, it's actually surprising that it went it lasted as long as it did. Mhm. Mhm. And it was, I mean, it was just there were different signs where I mean, her history, what got her in so much trouble in the end was she was surrounded by in the beginning i just chose to i won't say ignore it but thought it was something i didn't have to worry about at the time and then, mm-hmm. and then from there on out i mean there's probably still stuff i don't know that if i i would have known then i would have definitely said no way but i said yes so it's something i have to accept and 
I got two beautiful girls out of it. So as much of a headache as it was, it was still worth it for them too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask the follow up question, you know, because we all have our reasons for staying. We all have our reasons for, you know, keeping ourselves in situations that we find ourselves in. We all have our reasons for not exiting when we're when on the inside, we're telling ourselves, you know, you need to you need to leave. You need to stop. You need to go, whatever. And I was going to ask you, what was your reason? What was your why for staying? And you actually went ahead and answered that question because you didn't feel that, you know, in the moment there was, you know, there was going to be anything else, you know, to, to follow, you know, you didn't right. see where in the moment, you know, you needed to leave because you never thought that it was going to go further than what it was or what it did. So thank you for answering that question in advance. Um, so, <laughs> so with the co-parenting that you have gone through, what would be either the most important thing, if you can narrow it down to one, or if you need to, you know, if you need a few more, um, a few more spots, you know, maybe your top three things that you learned through your process and experience of co-parenting, what are the most important things you've learned? The most important thing I learned was there's no such thing as much as society wants us to believe it. There's no such thing as a status quo when it comes to co-parenting. And mm. there's no, there's no such thing as a status quo when it comes to relationships, period. Now I think that's where for me, it, I had to learn after the fact, but I think a lot of people get so wrapped up in that and have, looking at what society sh thinks it should be how it should be whether it's in while you're in a relationship why or after the relationship but the simple fact is we live in a world that there's so much variety and that, that applies in everything including relationships and there's reasons and things that don't that are not aren't factored in to society status quo when it comes to co-parenting that get overlooked that probably more people than we really will ever know go through and deal with and why and why they make decisions they do so ultimately that's my thing i, I don't have to give three that's my thing is we mm -hmm. have to you have to understand you don't have to meet the standards of society when it comes to situations like this because there's there's no standard because there's not one way to do things Absolutely. I love it. That is awesome. Okay. So for our male listeners, and you know what, I might ask you to uh, answer this question as well for the, the females that are listening, but first answer the question for males. What advice would you give other males that are in your situation? Keep on keeping them mm -hmm. and just do what you need to do for you, your kids, and don't let nothing else affect that. I mean, your decision making, the choices you make, what you do daily should be centered around what's best for you and your kids and nothing else should play a factor in it. And that should be your main focus. And at the end of the day, be able to lay your head down on your pillow and know that you've done the best you could and made the best decisions you could for you and your children. Yes, absolutely. And I would be curious to hear uh, your answer because of you being in law enforcement and having seen both sides and all of the intricacies of child support and, and battles with, you know, custody of kids and this and that. Do you have any advice for females, you know, that are that are going through this as well? For me, for me, I don't think it, I don't think it's different either way. Okay. I don't I don't see 
I don't see there being a difference because in the end, it's not about the husband or the dad or the mom. It's ultimately about the kids. And whether you're female or you're a male, I feel that should be your focus on no matter what you're going through. If co if if co-parenting is somewhat working and it's best for the kids and you can make it work, great. But don't feel like you have to do something. You ha- you don't have to stay in a relationship and you don't have to co-parent for your kids to be successful. Mm. Because I can sit here and say and I'll brag on them for because they're I mean, they're my kids. I'm supposed to brag on them. But for as much crap as they've been in, as much as they've went through, and the co-parenting not working, the oldest has a 3.7 GPA, <laughs> succeeding in basketball, succeeding in track, got colleges looking at her. She goes to start her senior year next year. The other daughter is doing just as well in school. She's just starting high school, but she's playing sports and doing her thing, and they're both being successful in life. And that's why I say, I don't think it matters if it's male or female. You just have to understand you do you and what's best for your kids and everything else take care of itself. No matter what anybody around you is saying, if you know what's best, don't worry about the rest. That's right. That's right. And to, to, and that's awesome. I love to hear that your girls are doing awesome and amazing. And I'm sure that we can um, also give kudos to your wife for, you know, stepping in and playing that part with the blended families. Is that, would you say that? Oh, most definitely. Her name's Sylvia. I think she played a huge role and I actually give her more credit than anybody else because a stepmom well we don't use the word step anymore i mean they they call her mom they see her as mom mm-hmm. i mean the oldest is wanting to change her middle name to her middle name oh, and but i have the utmost respect for people that step in a role and step in a role and do it well when they really don't have to mm-hmm. and that's one thing she's done from day one she has when we first met she treated the girls like they were her own and it's just grown to the point they have great relationships they're best friends i mean it's it's something to behold and i definitely she deserves all the credit as far as i'm concerned i tell people that i mean when it comes to how well they're doing it's because of her role in it all Mm. that is awesome yeah we definitely have to give her her moment because she fulfilled a role, just like you said, she fulfilled that role to where your daughters do not fill a void. You know, your daughters are not having to just grow up with just, you know, being parented by a father. You know, they can have both, you know, as as creation, as as we were created to do, you know, to have both a female and our male parents, you know, to, to raise us and because we get different things from each parent. And so that is so awesome that your girls did not have to miss out on any of that. And you also mentioned that you have four kids total. So with you and Sylvia, you guys have two boys. Yes, ma'am. We Tell have us two about boys. your boys. Yes, <laughs> brag on them. <laughs> we have a nine-year-old and one that's actually turned seven in two days. Oh and wow! Yes, they're they're a handful. Um, I we broke even. I broke even. I guess you could say. So I consider myself lucky. I got two girls, two boys. <laughs> but the boys, they're they're energetic. They 
there's something else. Uh, they keep they keep it interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> they definitely keep it interesting. But they, I mean, they're they're great and they're they're great with all four are great together. That's something that we mm-hmm. brag on them all together is the relationship that they have. I mean, mm-hmm. the oldest and the youngest. It don't matter the different in age. They hang out. They do their thing together, and it's great to see. And that's one thing that I, I'm proud of is the fact that that could be done because sometimes it don't work out the best when right. it comes to mm-hmm. the split there absolutely but yeah, but yeah they the boys are great they're they're something else <laughs> that's awesome how are they uh handling this quarantine oh they're loving it um okay <laughs> they're 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 loving it they to give you a little backstory i know this is a totally different topic no but worries go ahead our oldest son is nine. He turns 10 in July. He's actually been battling, battling cancer for seven years. Oh, and wow. so his life, our life is a lot different than most, especially his, his limitations and stuff he can do. And so quarantine life is nothing new to us mm-hmm. with him. He's loving the fact that like they've been out of school for, well, now they're out for the rest of summer, but they were out, you know, past two months or whatever. So he's loving the fact that everybody's home. So mm, yes, he enjoys it as much. It, they all together. I mean, they're brothers and sisters. They're going to get on each other's nerves eventually. But I mean, as far as the, he's concerned, it's the greatest thing because he's seen everybody because <laughs> he don't because he don't always get to go to school or, you know, this and that. So mm. he, he yes. loves it. That's right. Well, I'm happy to hear that he's still able to have a smile on his face and a smile on his heart throughout this time. Oh, yeah. He's a trooper. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, so, okay, based off everything that we've talked about today, um, is there any final words, one last word, any other last takeaway that you may not have been able to say earlier that may have come to you now towards the end of this episode that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, actually, I thought of it just a little bit ago while we were talking, and some might have the same this question, but I've had people ask me, I know personally, why I didn't, but some that might be listening might be wondering, if it was so bad, how come I just didn't fight to take her rights away mm. and be done away with it completely? Mm-hmm. And if it's okay, I'll touch base on that yes, a little bit. Um, one thing, it's not because for lack of trying, because I did try. And I don't know if all laws are different in different states, but the state of Tennessee is, they say they, I couldn't, this is where the rubber meets the road. As the dad, for me to take rights away from the mom, I had to have a mother figure. Hmm. Which, which I don't know 100% if that was true or. What it was, but that was the, what the judge told me. I couldn't take rights away because I didn't have nobody to stand in place for the as a mom. Interesting. But according to what I was told, if the shoe was on the other foot, the mom wouldn't have to have somebody stand in place for a dad. No way. That's what, now. That's what I was told. I, I'll have to look I, that up. Yeah. <sighs> don't don't take that as gold. But that's yeah. what I was told during my situation. Uh, because I tried to take her rights away. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. she tried to give them away. Mm. But she actually agreed to sign a paper saying she would turn her rights over until her family got a hold of her and she changed her mind. Mm. But in the end, 
I was told I couldn't because I didn't have a mother figure for the children. Wow. So. I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, you know, I've, I, I'm split. I'm torn because that's a good thing, you know, to make sure, you know, to still keep. It the, is. You know, to keep it balanced for the kids' sake. But then if it's not the same requirement for the the, the mom to have a stand-in, you know, father figure, then that's where I'm like, mm-mm, that's not good. Right. <laughs> and I mean, and when it happened to me, I thought about it. And I know some people that have grown up, you know, the rights have been taken away. And when you really, I mean, I'm not trying to split hairs here, but when you mm-hmm. really think about those types of stories, all you really hear about is dad's rights getting taken away for the most yeah. part. Yeah. So I've got a friend that works in law enforcement. Now he got his uh, first wife's rights taken away, but he got it done after he got married again. Mm. And we talked about it. Once I got married again, we talked about it. But at the same time, once we got married, it was things that kind of, I hate to use the quiet word to jinx it, but things that quiet down. So it was one of those deals where the girls were satisfied. We were satisfied. Why, why, you know, poke the bull to get stuff riled up again when we can just go on with our life. Mm-hmm. Makes but, sense. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I thought about that. And then if you're, and whoever's listening might wonder about that. I don't know as far as the whole, if it applies in every state, I just know what I was told when I tried to get her rights taken away. Right. That is interesting. And if anyone who's listening, if you all know the answer to this question, whether you're in the state of Tennessee or you're located elsewhere, put the comments below. Uh, Let us know if that's actually something that you've heard of with where you're located and, you know, how, you know, what have you heard about it? That would be super interesting to hear about. Um, But I am so happy that you did think about that as being your last thing to say, the last thing that you wanted to share, because that was that was a great question uh, that, you know, you said that you have been asked before. Um, So that's it. Um, I do have my finale question. This is a fun question. It's an out of the box question. So when you answer, you can either go left, you can go right, you just have fun with it. So what's that one question that you hoped I would not ask? Honestly, I, I wasn't worried about anything you asked. Okay. And the reason I say that is now a year ago, two years ago for having this conversation, I'd probably been sweating the whole time. Like, oh, please don't bring us up. Please don't bring us up. <laughs> but I, I've, I personally have got to a place in my life where no matter what's happened in the past, I've accepted it. So therefore, if I, I've chose to accept everything and how everything's went, so nobody can hold it over my head anyways mm-hmm. once I accepted mm-hmm. it. So... I'm good with anything. And that's one thing about the podcast that has made me grow even more as far as opening up. And I'm an open book when it comes to it now. And I was, ga- I was game for anything that you ask. I was, I didn't know which direction <laughs> we might go, but I was, I was ready for anything. That's awesome. I love it. Yes. I'm so happy that you came open to share 
on this channel. That is awesome. So we are about to wrap up and I want to give you the floor and give you some time to talk, whether it's 30 seconds or two minutes, because you came and you shared your time with me. I want to extend this time to you. I want to want you to let us know what all do you have going on? I know you have a podcast, so make sure that you shout out your podcast, let people know where they can find you. If you happen to be self-employed or a business owner, you know, make sure you shout out your business. If you have a website, um, any upcoming events, and then your social media platforms, anything that you can think of, take this time to just put it out there so we can find you. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll focus on, I got three things I like to focus on. The first I'll get it out of the way is I do have a podcast. Like you mentioned, it's called life in a pickle. It's spelled P I C K E L just like my last name. It's a play on words. And what that podcast is, is to break it down the easiest way I know how is I've had triumphs. I've had defeats. I've made mistakes. I've made good choices and I've made bad choices. And all I've done is taken all that and brought in it brought it together for my story and taking y'all down the path and the journey of what it's like to have a life in a pickle and that's the best way i know to describe my podcast there's gonna be i mean it, i talk about everything i'm about 14 episodes in so i still got a ways to go uh you can find me or my podcast pages on facebook instagram or twitter for the podcast just look up life in a pickle or you can look up at in pickle i-n-p-i-c-k-e-l i'd appreciate it just click on it follow along and enjoy the journey as we will take the journey together and my one thing i want to get across and i mentioned earlier is i would like for to reach out and just encourage everybody that's listening that if you don't already become a blood donor donate blood bone marrow go to your local red cross medic because the last seven years we've seen how important that can be and mm -hmm. how that helps people more than anybody that gives donation will ever know your one donation could save a life and just thinking about that that's very powerful so i encourage all your listeners to donate and donate often and that's awesome that's all i got Awesome. Good stuff. So everyone, make sure you go support. I will make sure that I include the the uh, websites and how you can be found in the show notes as well as below in the description. So make sure you scroll below and click on the links and go support. Follow, follow, follow. Jason, I want to thank you so much for giving me your time and for sharing very openly and candidly your experiences as being a, a co-parent, as being at some point, at one point in your life, a single parent, a single father, and show, sharing your experiences with the listeners that are out here. I also want to thank you so much for your service of being in law enforcement, especially in this time that we are in right now. So thank you so much for everything. I greatly appreciate it. It's been an honor being on here. Thank you. All right, everyone, that's it for this episode. If you would like to be a guest, please contact me. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube at Coach Energy. And energy is spelled N-R-G-Y. Yes, that is my real name. So definitely look me up online at Coach Energy and let me know if you have a story to share. You have some valuable information that people can definitely take advantage of, especially in the times that we're in right now. Visit my website at Coach energy.com if you would like to schedule your free consultation for a life coaching session a relationship coaching session i will be
be able to help you out there. And again, that is a free consultation. So you can try it before you buy it. I also have is well, as you know, of course, you're listening to this right now on the podcast. This is the I Give Life to Life podcast with Coach Energy. So do not forget to subscribe, share, follow, hit the thumbs up button. Let me know that you like this episode. Go ahead and get the conversation started below. You know how we do it. And as always, remember, keep smiling.